Welcome to the Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those who are tired of hearing boring stats all day and want a little bit of a different perspective on fantasy football. As always, I'm your host, Bobby, and I'm joined by my friend John and my friend Paul. Week three, boys, we're getting into that part of fantasy season, you know, where you start questioning whether your team is going to contend or not. But let's just jump right into it, honestly. First game we're going to be talking about is the Bills and Dolphins. A little bit of a lower scoring affair than I think either of us would have thought. And one of the things that stood out to me was Devin Singletary leading the team in receptions and receiving yards, you know. John, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Devin Singletary was definitely one of the guys that I was watching in this game. It's usually when it comes to the Bills, it's like, all right, how does Josh Allen do? How does Diggs do? How does Singletary do? And it was nice to see Singletary finally hit double digits. He's always been like that inconsistent running back. So I'm still watching to see if his numbers remain consistent. So far this year, they're really not. But it was nice to actually see him break out for once and uh, have a good game there. You know, exactly. Usually that receiving yard mark is by Stefan Diggs. But, you know, Steph, speaking of Stefan Diggs, it's really nice to see him prove that he is that first round value three weeks in he is the wide receiver one in standard ppr leagues and it's really just him and cooper cup that have been the guys that have been proving that they're round one value so it's nice to see Diggs showing that consistency and it has been like three or four years running where that dude has just been a ppr machine and then a big play machine too so my big takeaways is just Diggs is being consistent and let's keep an eye on singletary to see if he can continue to score in those double digits yeah, and of course I had Devin Singletary naturally on my bench this week. Uh, yeah, thank you, Bobby. Thank you for doing I'll that. Start him, I'll start him next week, and he'll put up four points. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but there was the other side of the game as well. The Dolphins coming off a fucking roaring fantasy performance the week before. Hill and Waddle each having 40-plus points. This week was a little more of a cool down against the really good Bills defense. Paul... What really stood out to you in that uh, kind of them coming back down to earth, I should say? Yeah, no, they definitely came back down to earth. They actually, the Miami Dolphins only ran 39 offensive plays on the day, which is well below the league average. That's actually, yeah. isn't that crazy? <laughs> but one of the, the main, one of the things that stood out to me was if you drafted Jalen Waddle, please give yourself a pat on the back. He is continuing to look like Tua's best friend. He has elite speed. And he is literally a, a home run waiting to happen. Even with just 39 offensive plays, Waddle still saw six targets and turned it into a just under a 16-point fantasy day with no touchdowns. So that's huge. And a couple of things I also noticed was Chase Edmonds. If you have him, look to shop him, please. Dude. He only had seven touches, but he scored two touchdowns. So he had 15 points and 12 of them came from scores. He was supposedly going to be the greatest sleeper. You were you could get him in like the seventh, eighth round in most drafts, but definitely look to sell him after a 15-point game and hope that he takes the bait here because Chase Edmonds, I hate what I'm seeing. I absolutely hate it. Honestly, um, I might be that guy to take the bait on that, especially if you're a team that needs running backs and stuff like that. But dare we say that Jalen Waddle will be – better fantasy wise than Tyree Kill this year. I think it's I think it's something definitely worth you know, talking about or at least mentioning because 
John's dancing around the cold. He's dancing around the cold. I'm, I'm waddling. <laughs> Seriously, he already has the chemistry with Tua after last year, and he's been showing it so far this year. I don't think it's a crazy take at all. Tyree Kill obviously has the track record, but, you know, we'll see what happens down the stretch. No, don't think it's that crazy, though. No, yeah, I don't think it's crazy at it, all. It really shows, like, how important QB to wide receiver chemistry comes into play. Like, Tyreek and Mahomes had that. Like, it wasn't just because they're both elite players. And Waddle were able to build that rapport last year, and it's continuing on to this year. You know, when I say it every week, it seems like, but when a QB has his guy, like, they're going to favor him the most. Yeah, and I think the one thing that stands out with me about Tyreek Hill is, yeah, he had that monster game last week, and he had a pretty good – he had a really good week one, I believe, too. But – it just looks like Mike McDaniel and the, the Dolphins offense, they're trying to force feed him the ball. They're trying to, because he's the big money, he's the big money guy, he's the big ticket item, he's a shiny new toy in the offense. They're almost trying to force it where Tua looks a lot more comfortable throwing to Waddle. And in a game where every play literally mattered, every play was important, Waddle came out on top here. So I definitely think that's something to keep in mind, Tyreek Hill only had four targets. I can't even remember the last time Tyreek Hill had four targets in one game. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that Tyreek Hill had like five points in week two going into like the third or fourth quarter. And then he had like two 70 yard touchdowns or whatever it was. So like most of Tyreek's fantasy production is on those big plays <clears throat> and it's not guaranteed to happen every game. Yeah. But moving on to the next game that we got another divisional matchup and John, I'm going to start with you because this is just something that I've been thinking about for the first three weeks of the season. Is the Steelers' offense, fantasy-wise, they're completely dead anyway with Mitch Trubisky as quarterback? Or are they completely dead and fantasy irrelevant until Kenny Pickett comes in? And obviously we don't know how good he's going to be, but he's got to be better than Trubisky, right? Yes, and I agree with that statement. In fact, I was going to finish the sentence for you, but I held my tongue there. The Steelers' fantasy players are going to be low-production scorers until Kenny Pickett comes in. And like you said, it, it's not 100% going to happen if Kenny Pickett comes in, but it opens up a whole new window of possibility. You have a younger quarterback. He's got to prove something. He is getting an energy boost from beating out Mitch Trubisky, which may not seem like the biggest deal, but for a rookie, at least you're beating out a vet. You know, that feels good. He's going to get that that momentum boost there. And unfortunately, you have to start Deontay Johnson every week. You just have to. He gets double-digit targets every game. He's lacking on touchdowns, but once that happens, he's going to be scoring in that, like, 17 to low 20 range at least. Is it next week? That Kenny Pickett starts? I mean, from everything that I've seen, Tomlin is adamantly against it, which makes no sense to me because he's just saying that. Mitch Trubisky is what he is at this point, and at least you have a rookie coming in and you could play the upside a little bit there. Yeah. But again, not much on the Steelers' end, to be honest. I think Najee Harris owners right now are a little concerned, but hopefully, if and when that quarterback change comes, you get a little more fantasy production out of the Steelers. Let's move over to a little more fantasy-relevant team and the Browns. Well, the Browns had another Jacoby Brissett, another impressive game. Not really talking about him from a fantasy perspective, but more just the, how the offense looks with him. What did you notice about the Browns in this week against a really good defense as well? Yeah, so guys, I'm sorry if my mood just slightly changed. I just watched CD Lamb drop a fucking wide open 50 yard goddamn touchdown, dude, right in his fucking breadbasket. 
I watched it too. That would have been big for you. That would have been big. All right, we're moving on. We're professionals. Uh, but, <clears throat> but yeah, Cleveland, I absolutely hate the Browns. I can't stand them. I hate their owner. I hate everything about them. Literally nothing about Cleveland or the state of Ohio is good. But there were a lot of good things coming out of this game. Amari Cooper, 11 targets, 7 catches, and a score. Somebody I was staying away from in pretty much every draft is looking like the guy that they wanted from him in Cleveland. After a rough week one, he's had two really good weeks with 10-plus targets. After two weeks, I think you have to start him now. You have to. Jacoby Brissett, like you just said, looks good. He looks serviceable. So Amari Cooper probably starting in your on your team. And then we just move on to Nick Chubb. Again, another elite rushing talent. He doesn't have a lot of involvement in the past game, but he doesn't need it. He is a home run hitter when he has the ball in his hand, so he can break off the 80-yard touchdown. And the dude just constantly getting five, six, seven yards of carry. He's a must start in a week that was kind of rough for running backs. He was uh, he was one of like three or four guys that really stood out. But one of the things I wanted to take away from this game is you guys ever hear that song, Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier? Yeah. It was yeah. a big, big yeah. one-hit wonder. It was a big one-hit wonder, and that is where my friend Donovan Peoples-Jones comes in. Oh, don't do it to John. I know, John. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's on my bench now. He's on my bench. Yeah, well, you can probably cut his ass after this because (laughs) after a week one where he had like 11 targets and people were like, oh, my God, he's Brissett's guy. He's this. He only has four combined targets in the last two games with one catch and 10 yards. So – it's looking like Donovan's People's Jones is just on a list of many one-hit wonders for this mm-hmm. fantasy week. But staying with this game is actually my waiver wire ad for the week. David Njoku. Yes. It looked like, yeah, it looked like his talent That's finally shone through. That's yeah, he's, he's got all the talent in the world. And he's coming to Kyle Pitts where they've been saying this for, like I feel like, three or four years, that he's got the talent, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got all this. It all came together this week. He had 10 targets, nine catches, 89 yards, and a score. And for a tight end position where you just pray that they get you 10 points, that's huge that he's this heavily involved with that many targets. I know Zach Ertz was the other tight end with 10-plus targets. I think Mark Andrews did too. So that that's really good company. If you are, if you do not have somebody named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews as your tight end, I would 100% look to add David Njoku on the waiver wire. Yeah, I think also that's a good waiver ad as well. Because he's definitely one available in a lot of leagues. And two, also, even if he doesn't keep up like last week's production, you have Sean Watson coming back. And he has made much more irrelevant tight ends look fantasy competent. <laughs> so once he gets back under center, even though it'll be later in the season, something to think about if you got a long term, longer term perspective. For the playoff push. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something you always need to think about. But John, this is your time now. We're moving oh, on. We're moving. We're moving to a game that is close to your heart, and I know you're just itching. You're itching for it. So let's hear it. What stood out from the fucking birds this week, besides for the fact that they essentially shut out the Commanders? For yeah. The end of the game. Yeah, I didn't even really think that this week I'd be talking about like the Eagles defense as a team to start on your fantasy league. But, uh, man, they ruined Carson Wentz. Nine sacks, Whoa. two forced fumbles. 
And the good news is Wentz didn't even throw an interception. That's good, but he couldn't even get the ball off. So that's probably why. Top performers for the Eagles. Let's give a hand up to Devontae Smith. That guy's a wide receiver two that looked like two. a wide receiver one. Yeah, get no, he wasn't, putting up, he wasn't putting up wide receiver one number this year. You're not this serious. Was a, this was his breakout game. Devontae Smith? Wide receiver two? Not this week. This this week, he was a wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm saying, like, I thought you were saying that's what you consider him now. Probably, like, maybe I might. Like, I'm, he's not – he probably isn't my wide receiver one. You probably have much better wide receivers than Devontae Smith in terms of, like, the ADP value that you drafted him at. But, I mean, yeah, he totally deserves a spot on the roster. It, I think oh, yeah. the, the key to starting Devontae Smith, like, if he's going to be that guy that, you know, it all depends on the matchup, on who they're playing, I think you have to look – if you're a Devontae Smith owner, you have to look to see who the secondary is. If that team has injuries in the defensive backfield or if they only have, like, one star cornerback and the other ones suck, like, that's your time to put in Devontae Smith because all the attention to those teams is going to go on A.J. Brown and it's just going to leave to Devontae Smith wide open. And yeah. cool to see that a couple of those throws that Devontae Smith got for his big plays and even his touchdown he was guarded, and he was guarded tight, and he jumped up there, and he was grabbing the 50-50 balls, which no one really expected him to do. Devontae Smith gets a breakout player of the week award for me. The whole Eagles offense looked great. Jalen Hurts is continuing his MVP race with Lamar Jackson. A.J. Brown, he only had five catches, but he gets a lot of yards after the catch. It's a very um, A.J. Brown stat line, what he had. This exactly, week. yeah. It was nice to see just an all-around great Eagles performance. Yeah, I completely agree, John. Devontae Smith owners are definitely breathing a sigh of relief. Now, not that he was drafted very high, but you drafted him with a lot of upside in the back of your mind, thinking maybe he could ascend to that consistent wide receiver three, you know, maybe even a wide receiver two, dare I say, at some point. Because the Eagles offense looks really good. And, oh, yeah. But even though this kind of goes without saying, and all of us already know this, but like, Jalen Hurts is literally right behind Lamar Jackson in terms of, like, the elite of the elite fantasy quarterbacks now. Like, the dude just doesn't miss in terms of fantasy. So, any Jalen Hurts <clears throat> owners right now, I think he's exceeding expectations, honestly, in terms of fantasy. So, Eagles are obviously rolling. Team that's not rolling anymore is the Commanders. Carson Wentz. Comes back to earth, but I will say, still a lot of pass volume going on in that Washington offense, Paul. Now, what do you take away from that? You still Do you think these wide receivers could keep it up with the amount that they seem to be allowing Wentz to throw the ball? Yeah. No, I think this, is, this Washington team is going to be playing a lot of catch-up this year. Wentz did look like absolute ass. He looked like the Carson Wentz we knew and loved for the past couple of years. He did come back to earth, but I'm telling you, the biggest thing that stood out with me for this commander's team is Curtis Samuel. We've known for a while that he has a talent, that he he's an electric playmaker when he has the ball. And it's starting to show he had 10 targets. He had three rush attempts on top of that with seven catches and over 60 yards, which from a Washington commander's wide receiver not named Terry McLaurin, I'm taking that any day of the week. I'm actually considering starting him in my flex spot over a Gabe Davis or a CeeDee Lamb 
who I will cut after this game. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, pass attempts going around. Terry McLaurin had nine targets for six catches and 100 yards. It's great to see him back in that upper echelon wide receiver talk that we've grown used to seeing him perform at. Jahan Dotson had eight targets as well, but only two catches. So a bit disappointing there. Carson and him just couldn't get on the same page. But the Eagles defense looks disgusting this year. Like it really looks really good. And Antonio Gibson starting to come back down to earth. He was saved by a touchdown this week. He continues to lose passing work to McKissick. So I would say <clears throat> squeeze Gibson for every single thing that you can now if you are weak in the running back department because I don't know what his future holds in this offense from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I definitely think the commander's offensive performance isn't really so much an indictment on their offense as it is just you got to give props to the Eagles right now. They're honestly rolling, like you said. They're going to be down a lot this year in all likelihood. Went there seem to be allowing Wentz to just sling the ball around no matter what. So I still think garbage time, obviously people will always say garbage time. It was in garbage time. In fantasy, it doesn't matter when it was. So just realize that they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and especially a guy like McLaurin, he'll probably be pretty solid all year. And so now – one of the more surprisingly boring games of the week. I mean, it was a close game and everything like that, but from a fantasy perspective, Dud, honestly, talking Chiefs-Colts right now. And I'm going to start with Paul, actually, here, because the Chiefs really, when I was diving in, watching the highlights and everything like that, not much really to talk about from my eyes. Like, Mahomes was still okay. Travis Kelsey did what he did, but, like, not too much. Did you see anything maybe that I'm not seeing from the Chiefs? Main thing to be concerned about was actually Mahomes was the leading rusher for the Chiefs this week. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had literally zero yards on seven attempts on the ground. He was saved by his passing involvement. He had five catches, five catches and a score for a couple yards. Juju came back five for 89, but he come back, which was nice yeah, for those but, that were concerned in week yeah. two. But I think Travis Kelsey is really the only person not named Patrick Mahomes in this offense that I would confidently start every week. From a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire owner, I don't know how long he can keep up the scoring pace. And that's a lot of his points are coming from touchdowns and PPR work. So I, I just go back in the beginning of the year when Patrick Mahomes literally told everyone that we're going to be spreading the ball around. Everyone's going to have you know, a role in this offense. This isn't just peppering Tyreek Hill on downfield balls and waiting for one to stick. This is a, this is a, a going to be a great offense still, but in terms of fantasy, it's tough. It's a toss up. Yeah, no, I agree. It's Chiefs are definitely not what they've been fantasy wise in past years. So, John, another dud from the Colts this week in terms of fantasy. Really, you got Michael Pittman coming back. He did okay. You see upside in this offense. The only upside available right now is through Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. I don't need to spend much time on Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is always going to be a must-start every single week. Even if he has one leg, you're going to start Jonathan Taylor. But what really, what I'm really starting to notice is the consistency that Michael Pittman is showing. Is He's a wide receiver, too, now, and he's bordering 
like the high end wide receiver one area. I believe he's like the wide receiver 13 right now or something like that. So he's just putting up consistent numbers. So he's not going to give you a dud every week. So you can at least plug him in there knowing that, okay, he's going to at least get close to his projected amount of points. Someone who's not going to get their projected amount of points is Matt Ryan. People thought that he was going to get a fresh start in Indianapolis. It's just not happening. If you you were one of the owners that decided to wait on drafting a quarterback late in the rounds, drop him. Matt Ryan doesn't deserve a spot on your starting roster or your bench. You can stream other quarterbacks week to week. Matt Ryan's ceiling is 20 points. Like, you shouldn't settle for a quarterback that's going to get you 20 points at most every week. Quarterbacks can really help win your league if you have all your other positions cemented. And quarterback really puts you up to the top there. The people who have the Jalen Hurts, the Lamar Jacksons, all those guys, that's nice. But if Matt Ryan's your quarterback, you got to bench him now. You're not going to be able to trade him, so just cut him and start streaming. You chose this route. You chose to wait nine rounds to pick a quarterback. Get rid of Matt Ryan, and you're, you got to go week for week streaming quarterbacks. Yeah. A lot of people fell for the Matt Ryan narrative this year, and it's obviously still early, but it's definitely not what anyone expected so far, especially when you're going from a more erratic quarterback like Wentz to a more controlling quarterback in Matt Ryan. Just thought the Colts offense would be better. So now, my team, huge letdown after last week when the offense loaded Garrett Wilson put on an amazing performance came back down to earth a little bit as did the whole Jets offense John what did, did you see anything from the Jets maybe something about the running back committee I know Brees Hall was way more involved in the passing game but Flacco also threw 52 times is this something we expect as the season goes on you know I think we're witnessing like a almost like a tryout between Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Like, for the yeah. first two weeks, Michael yep. Carter was the pass target guy. Like, he was getting a lot of the targets thrown his way. Brees Hall was looking to be more of the rusher. And they switched role. A couple things I noticed. Brees Hall, he had double-digit targets. I believe that's two weeks in a row now. This week, Michael Carter only had, like, three or five targets thrown his way. So, Brees had less rushing attempts, but the same amount of rushing yards as Michael Carter. And then, of course, Brees Hall also had way more targets thrown his way. So I would like to establish this now. Brees Hall has officially entered my flex player starting position. If you are, if you have two stud running backs and you're in a PPR league, put Brees Hall in at your flex because he will still continue to get yards per rushing attempt, even though it may not be the rushing attempt volume that we're looking for. However, the target share is there for Brees Hall. He deserves a flex spot over Michael Carter if for some reason you have both. But um, that's really what I noticed. I really focused on like the running game there because we're still trying to figure that out. I think Brees Hall showed this week that he can be the RB1 on that team. Garrett Wilson, a little bit of a scare there with his injury. Uh, for Gary Game Wilson down. owners, don't worry. I'm pretty sure he's going to play next week. Um, all signs are pointing towards that. I guess there's a chance that they could limit him a little bit next week, but I would still give him a start. And even with the injury, he found a way to get double-digit points in standard PPR leagues. That's a good – he passes the eye test two weeks in a row for me. Yeah, I think – bring up the eye test. I think Brees Hall is starting to really pass that eye test. Oh, yeah. And I think he's – his workload's just been increasing. His He just looks 
like the better back out of the backfield. Not to take anything away from Michael Carter, still a solid back, but Brees Hall seems to be the guy, and I think over the course of the year will be the guy. So at this point in time, just after week three, you're seeing this consistent involvement. I think it's only going to get better. I think he's a great guy to kind of maybe like, maybe not buy low, buy co right now because his value hasn't exploded yet. So he, in my view, he'd be a good guy to jump on if you're looking for a running back right now. Yeah. But the Bengals actually showed up offensively this week after a dud against the Cowboys or Semi showed up, I should say. Yeah, but I think one of the bigger things right now that need, fantasy managers need to be thinking about is what's going on with Joe Mixon, Paul? Yeah, so this uh, quote-unquote improved offensive line in Cincinnati is looking like it's still shit. And the Bengals are 100% like have a Super Bowl hangover. Joe Burrow is under constant duress. Mixon cannot get anything going in the run game. He did leave the game in the fourth quarter and did not come back all reports are saying that he should be good to go on a short week he plays this thursday actually against the dolphins which should be a good game but his volume is still there he's the lead back he had seven targets in the past game he gets all the running work i wouldn't be super worried about him in terms of that but this offensive line needs to figure out how to play better that is the number one thing and it's affecting everyone on the Bengals. Jamar Chase showed that he is, in fact, human. He did have 10 targets, but didn't really make anything of it. And then a guy I think we all were really high on going into the draft this year in T. Higgins, who we cooked at Jamar Chase and T. Higgins being the Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle kind of combo, where Jamar was obviously going to be the star, but T. Higgins was still going to be a very solid wide receiver, too. He played really well. Five catches for 93 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but he did have seven targets. So I wouldn't panic on any of these guys yet. I think that you're kind because of where you drafted them, you're certainly handcuffed into starting them. But other than that, Cincinnati's got to figure out that offensive line problem because it's affecting everything. Even though I love watching them lose and I love watching them suck and I love watching Joe Burrow get crushed. But from a fantasy perspective, it's a pyramid is only as strong as his base. And right now the Bengals' offensive line looks rough. But give very good metaphor. That's what I'm here for. Bengals, a Bengals wide receiver that you didn't talk about that actually had the best stat line out of any of them. Give Tyler Boyd some props, Paul. Come on, bust, dude. <laughs> dude, did I tell you the story on Tyler Boyd? So they inter- I forget who it was, but they interviewed a Pro Bowl cornerback. And they were just asking him a question. They were like, who's one receiver in the NFL that like the media hypes up and people are like, oh, he's good, he's good, but he's actually trash. And without hesitation, this dude was like Tyler Boyd. He sucks. And what? Yeah. What? Dude, so, he has a breakout game like twice a year. He was re- He was actually pretty – before they got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, he was like the guy, and he was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I traded for him like a couple I was years an, ago. I was an owner of Tyler Boyd three years ago, and it, it wasn't as consistent as you're making. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty, he was the guy because he had to be the guy. Like, it's also pre-Burrow as well. But this guy is like – he's definitely some – he's probably one of the best like – bench stashes slash handcuffs that you could have in the league. T. Higgins or Jamar Chase goes down. He automatically fills that void, and the Bengals already throw the ball so much. Like, I mean, you never root for injury, but if something like that happens, it's not crazy. He could automatically ascend to, like, top, like, 20 wide receiver or something like that that happens. But I think Tyler Boyd sucks. He's still – my opinion, like, but he's 
generally he's irrelevant for now. Big game from him. He played against the Jets, and also the only reason he got that touchdown is because the Jets' safety is an idiot and decided to just bull rush him and just Todd Boyd just literally bounced off of it and ran for the touchdown. But, yeah, not much from that. I also think the Mixon thing, you're mixing to really realize his upside. They got to throw him the ball. He, yeah. The upside's not going to be there with how bad the line's been if he's just running it. So they got to start throwing him the ball. But moving on to the next game, I think the one of the biggest headlines of the week comes out of the Titans and Raiders game. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you here. Derrick Henry has returned, put up 25 points in our PPR league, got involved in the passing game. What did you like that you saw from the Titans in this one, and more specifically Henry's involvement in this one? Yeah, I think Mike Vrabel took a long look in the mirror and goes, I totally forget that I have this human refrigerator (laughs) as a running back who just literally runs over people for a living. Yeah, they gave Derrick Henry the ball, and – Good things happened. They beat the Raiders. Derrick Henry had 25 opportunities. He had five catches, like you said, 20 rushes, and he had a rushing touchdown. And I think if the Titans like winning football games, they have to give this guy the ball. There is no A.J. Brown anymore. Um, Ryan Tannehill seems like a shell of himself from a couple years ago when he was lighting the league up and got that contract extension. So if you have Derrick Henry, you can breathe easy. You can sleep tonight. He is back, and they're going to be feeding him the ball. So just feed the fucking guy that's going to win you games. <laughs> yeah. No, you're I right. And I think that's really it from the Titans' perspective. Is that, I don't, is there anything else you notice the, from them? The only thing that I really notice is they are not really passing the eye test right now as a team in general. They're not playing the greatest football. It looks like they are going to be in some negative game scripts, which is why Derrick Henry was involved in the passing game. But Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, he did have nine targets. He did haul in four catches for 85 yards. It's I'm not saying rush to start him in your lineup, but definitely look because that is pretty decent volume. So, John, now that we covered about the Titans and everything like that, talk about the losing team, the Raiders, and this one. Now, I'm going to take an angle from a more general perspective on the Raiders right here. Decent game from Jacobs, but – Three weeks in with Devontae Adams, you Derek Carr and him were teammates. You know, one thought this offense would be super explosive. They don't really look like it. They're not passing the eye test for me. What can we expect from this, this offense? Yeah, the Raiders are not passing the eye test just like the Titans aren't passing the eye test. It's lots of inconsistency, and sometimes it's like consistent low scores. Like, I mean, Devontae Adams now, he had that breakout week one, and then he has – gone under his projected point total two weeks in a row now you can't really complain when your wide receivers are getting you like 15 points a week because over a course of the year if they did that every game it's like all right that's not a problem but it's just you don't know when they're gonna perform well you don't know when they're gonna have those breakout games so you run the risk of just like choosing to start them every week and you're probably gonna be let down more times than not it's just a weird it's not a it's not a team that I look for to have fantasy players in outside of Devontae Adams. With the Josh Jacobs and even the Darren Wallers, is just a little bit of a shaky move to start them. The one thing I'll say is, like, Kelsey and Andrews, in terms of tight ends, they're going to show those consistent weeks where they're scoring high points. Don't be surprised when Waller doesn't have high-scoring games or your tight end in general. Like, that's 
you get, you really want to get those consistent numbers filled with your quarterback, your running backs, and your wide receivers. If you do that, you can handle a couple games where your tight ends don't perform to what their projected total was. So don't be freaking out if you're a Waller owner. Yeah, I definitely still think just because of how shallow the tight end position has historically been, Waller is still a must start just from the upside at that specific position. But yeah, just like you said, don't be surprised if he goes off for 25, but don't be surprised if he goes off for five like he did this week. You know, just not really much happening with the Raiders. Renfro was fantasy relevant last year. He's not really fantasy relevant this year. So, like we said, not really passing the eye test. Yeah. Another team that's not passing the eye test, and it's very unfortunate for one of the top fantasy performers in past years when he's been healthy is the Panthers. I mean, zero passing game pretty much john like do we are you even considering starting a panthers pass catcher at this point i'm talking wide receivers tight ends no not at all bob and you know what sucks is for the previous two years taking out the injury in christian mccaffrey like he was the pass catcher yeah we're not seeing that this year he's not getting those double digit targets that he he was getting like 20 targets a game you know when he was healthy the previous years he's not getting that this year it's strictly rushing attempts granted he's getting a lot of rushing attempts but i don't know man i think this is a baker mayfield issue i think that he is you think it's a a check down guy he's not doing the screen passes to christian mccaffrey where you put the ball in his hands and you put blockers in front of him, Christian McCaffrey is going to break out for an explosive play. They're not giving him that full opportunity. So I'm out on the Panthers. Like you said, they're not passing the eye test. Christian McCaffrey is only passing the eye test because I've seen what he can do. So like that's just what Christian McCaffrey is doing this year. He's given us a big eh year. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to be able to unlock his full potential this year. So do you think it's – do you think it's a – chemistry slash timing thing or do you think this offense just is what it is i think this offense is what it is and i think baker mayfield is what he is so unless it's like a derrick henry issue where it's like hey we'll win more games if we like dump the ball to christian mccaffrey if we can design plays like that Sure, change up your whole offensive scheme because you need it. Because handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey to run like into the gaps, like that's not going to do anything. He's a guy that you have to put in the open field so that he can juke around players and use his agility to score. It's he's not a power running back where he's like blasting through linemen like Derrick Henry is. On the other hand, we got the Saints again. Not really too much. Alvin Kamara dud game. Biggest headline, in my opinion, was. The injury to Michael Thomas, and we already knew about Chris Olave, more of a factor in dynasty leagues. But now, the man's been a target monster, Paul. Can we expect Olave to kill that like wide receiver one role on the Saints? Not talking in fantasy just yet, but can we expect him to be that like Michael Thomas guy in the Saints offense? I mean, it certainly looks like it. Chris Olave, I mean, these rookie receivers, it seems like every year these guys come out of college and they just light up the NFL. Chris Olave, this was his breakout game. This is very inspiring if you did take a late round flyer on Olave. He looked great. He looked fantastic. Now, Michael Thomas, we have to remember Michael Thomas did leave the game in the second half and did not come back. He should be okay. But Michael Thomas, if he's on the field, he's going to be definitely drawing a lot of those red zone looks which is you know, not a super big concern for Olave owners, but definitely 
definitely out there. Michael Thomas is going to draw a lot of those red zone looks. But if you're a Alvin Kamara owner, do you miss Drew Brees yet? Oh my God! It's you know, Kamara. What made Kamara's bread and butter is he was constantly getting fed in the receiving game, and he only had two targets this game. Again, I wouldn't be super worried about Kamara because he did have 15 rushes. He played 70% of the snaps, which you always like to see. But where Kamara shined is those screens, those dump-off passes that Drew Brees was constantly working with him and giving Kamara the ball in in open space and letting him do what what he does. But, yeah. The Saints, Olave's huge. Michael Thomas, he's looks when he's on the field, he looks really good. He looked really good. Five catches for 50-some yards. Which is, he's always been a high-volume guy. That's where he, he uh, makes his money. But, yeah, not really much out of this game besides Olave. It was good to see him have a big day. Yeah, I think definitely. I know we talked about this last week, but this isn't the Drew Brees Saints anymore. Granted, Kamara did have a lot of targets still. Hasn't been able to quite have that. No, he was injured in week two. Hasn't quite had that game yet where you're like, this is why I drafted this guy in some cases in the late first, some cases in the early second. My honors are definitely disappointed right now. But, Paul, we are talking Patriots and Ravens now. Tell me if there is any hope for the Patriots offense. Mac Jones hurt high ankle sprain, probably out for a lengthy amount of time because high ankle sprains are bad. This offense was already shipped before. Is it about to get even worse? I'm not even sure who the backup is. Yeah, I don't know who the backup is. And the only thing I need to know about the New England Patriots offense is that Matt Patricia is calling plays for them. That fat piece of shit from Detroit, who's a defensive defensive guy, is calling the plays. And so the New England Patriots, I mean, Ravens defense does not look good, which is why they did score a decent bit here. I think they actually had three rushing touchdowns. What's the uh, so, Yeah, so Stevenson and Harris both got in the end zone, which if you have one of those guys and you have to play them, you, look at, you need that touchdown for them to be dependent. Mac Jones, he's never been a fantasy guy. He's more of like a game manager. So his injury, it does affect the other – players on the team if he's out just because I don't like you said I don't even know who the backup is and I don't really care but Devontae Parker five catches for 150 plus yards 10 targets if you're going to take a flyer on anybody it's going to be him or Jacoby Myers and they're they'll probably just trade games having decent games they're both not going to be relevant the same week yeah I think wide receivers just way too deep for you to ever really consider Patriots wide receivers if anything maybe you'll get some relevance out of Stevenson and Harris because they have a little bit more of a track record, I guess. And obviously the Patriots run the ball a lot as it is. Belichick has their coach, but not much happening for this offense. But a team that, you know, actually is way more fun to talk about and actually has a quarterback that puts up fantasy points. Paul's favorite team. Fortunately, you're not talking about him here. John, Lamar Jackson, another massive game. I know you have him in our main league. Is this going to be another... MVP type year. I- yeah, I. It, you would be crazy to say no there. I guess we have to see him go up against like elite defenses. So I guess that's going to be the real test. But Lamar just has so many weapons, you know, in his bags with his rushing ability. And now he is just slinging the ball. You don't know what to do when you're a defense going up against Lamar Jackson. It's nice to have these teams like the Ravens where they're, they score so many points on offense. So if you are one of those 
fantasy owners who is riddled with injuries right now and you're just looking for what we like to call flyers and for the average fantasy footballer out there a flyer is someone who is like most likely going to score in the single digits every week but he has the potential to score in those like high teens 20s 30 range even and so it's like the ravens those types of players that you look for so for example a flyer on the Ravens would be Devin Duvernay. He doesn't get that many targets, but he does have that big playability. He's a special teams kick returner where he can get a touchdown. He's already had one this year. He could go for another one this year. Duvernay is someone that you only want to start if you have no one else to start. Start looking through your bench and say, all right, what offenses have high-scoring offenses? What offenses put up a lot of points each week? And those are the guys that you plug into, like, your flex play if you're riddled with injuries. You pretty much hit the nail on the head, Bob. I'm really just looking at Lamar Jackson being a beast. And then, of course, you just keep monitoring J.K. Dobbins, see how he does on weeks to come. Make sure he's staying healthy and make sure he's seeing consistent numbers. I'm wondering if, like, eventually Lamar is going to be taking less rushing attempts and giving it to J.K. Dobbins when he starts to establish himself. But I just don't think they trust him at the moment. I think that's just – we've seen this over – since Lamar pretty much came to the league and took over the Ravens' job, we've pretty much seen the running backs that's been on the team that's been healthy at the time, whether it's Dobbins, whether it's Gus Edwards. I forget who the running back was prior to this duo. But it was always – the question is always, can these guys get in the end zone and really capture that upside that you want in a running back? Because touchdowns win leagues and they win – matchups really and, and it always just comes back to Lamar's always the one getting the touchdowns you know yeah Dobbins can end up being a good play but I don't think no matter how healthy Dobbins is that he's ever going to be that like upside RB1 or even maybe high-end RB2 I just don't see it because the upside in touchdowns just isn't there and he doesn't really catch the ball that much either so can definitely be a starter though down the line and someone for sure to watch especially if you kept him like Paul did yeah. yeah, and let's not forget that it was between J.K. Dobbins and Darnell Mooney on who to keep. For <laughs> yeah, I, you picked the better option. I did. I picked the right guy. <laughs> and the one thing I'll say about the Ravens, because I got to say it, is Lamar Jackson's the GOAT. Obviously, he's the greatest quarterback to ever touch the planet. Um, but I think what really goes against Dobbins is how bad this Ravens defense is. The Ravens defense is going to constantly let the other team be in the game. Where Dobbins, where he's probably going to see a lot of work is when we get that big lead, we come out on top, we're winning by two or three scores at half, and we just feed Dobbins the ball in the second half to you know, wind the clock down. I don't know if we're going to have that this year with this defense. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider that a lot of people don't think about is like, how does a defense play and how that impacts fantasy pretty much? Because if you have a defense that's on the field all the time, you're probably just not going to get that, what you really want. But Something to think about for sure. Paul, I know you have, I'm not sure what yet, but I'm very curious because you said that you have a lot to talk about with the Lions this week. So let's get us started with this game. Yeah, I'll keep it. I'll keep it as short as possible. But dare we say that the Detroit Lions are actually fantasy relevant? 100%. The biggest thing to take away from this game is DeAndre Swift was fighting through a shoulder injury, and Dan Campbell did mention today in an interview that he's considering giving Swift the next two games off, and then they have a bye week, week six. So DeAndre Swift could potentially be gone for three weeks because he wants him coming back 100%, which the only thing that means is if Jamal Williams is still available in your league, 
go after him. He had 25 points in, in a PPR setting this uh, this week. And if Swift goes down, he's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the guy. Amon Ross, St. Brown. It's <laughs> When somebody scores 13 points, 14 points, and you're like, oh, this was a bad day for him. That's saying something. Right. St. Brown only had six catches for set, only six catches for 73 yards. But we've been talking about him a little bit. He is entering elite conversations and should be considered a wide receiver one moving forward, barring anything with that injury, because he did play through an injury this week, apparently. Might be some pitch count concerns coming back, depending on the injury. But other than that, really, the only other thing I'm going to mention is TJ Hawkinson is a reason, is just another example on where if you don't grab a top two, top three tight end, wait until the later rounds. Somebody who was going in the fifth or the sixth round in a lot of drafts this year had three catches for 18 yards and luckily punched one into the end zone to save his day. But there are so many good wide receivers, and you can even find some sleepy running backs in that fifth or sixth round. Go after those guys instead of settling for a middle-tier tight end Zach Ertz went in the 10th and 11th round and had 10 targets and Zach Ertz after week one where he was on a pitch count is eating targets you could get you could have gotten him in the 10th or the 11th round I'm the tight end we've always talked about the tight end position is so shallow and so weak you can take flyers and just pray to God you hit if you don't have a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey somebody of that caliber you might as well honestly stream at some point but before we move on one thing I definitely want to say and I think is very important. Now, DeAndre Swift, who's drafted extremely high this year, had a great year last year, but this is starting to be a pattern. This is starting to be like, all right, how often is, is this guy going to be on the field? And it, just in terms of, obviously, when he's on the field, he'll be solid. But going forward, you, you're going to have to start taking into consideration how often this guy is going to be on the field because guys like Saquon or even Joe Mixon gets banged up a lot. Running backs just naturally get banged up a lot. But DeAndre Swift, this is a big pattern. So just it, it's concerning for a young running back, especially in fantasy, to be injured this often. And three weeks into the year, the coach is already talking about sitting him through the bye. It's not really a good sign if you drafted him that high. But pretty much covered everything with the Lions. Now let's talk Vikings now, John. Big dud two weeks in a row from Justin Jefferson is I don't want to say we're concerned or anything like that. Cause that's a little extreme, but I think everyone maybe jumped the gun when he had that big week one performance. Realistically, you're just not, you might just not get those 30 point performances every mm. even high 20. So what is going on there? Definitely don't panic with Justin Jefferson. It's just two weeks with elite receivers like this. You have to let them have their bad weeks, unfortunately. Hopefully you drafted well enough to make up for Justin Jefferson's lackluster performance. Question though, in dynasty leagues, like, would it be a good time to just see what you could get for Justin Jefferson? Because, like, what happens when Kirk Cousins isn't the quarterback anymore? Like, what other quarterbacks, like, you need a passing quarterback to be with Justin Jefferson, right? Like, do you just see what type of like draft capital you can get for the guy? Dude, that's funny that you say that because I made a monster offer for Justin Jefferson in our dynasty league this week. I offered Michael Pittman, Najee Harris, Chris Olave, and a, oh, and Deshaun Watson, and a first round pick 
Dude, I would have accepted that in a heartbeat. You gave him the house. I, I might have tacked on a player or not, but basically he said no and he's holding on to it. I wonder if he's kicking himself this week. But yeah, it's something that you got to think about. Kirk Cousins is not elite elite, but he's serviceable, serviceable NFL quarterback, which obviously benefits Justin Jefferson. So I got to think the Vikings are going to be drafting a, a quarterback soon to help that out. Um, Do you yeah, want my hot and, uh, take on Jefferson? Yeah. Do you want, my hot take is that Justin Jefferson is not a Viking in 365 days. What? Dude, look, he's all – no, dude, he's already complaining. Does it remind you of another Vikings receiver who moved on? And Randy Moss. Stephon Diggs. Stephon. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> but no, that – and don't get me wrong. Like, that, that take is so hot and so spicy. Yeah. Just, and did, did you guys feel those that little Alexander Madison little tingle this week? Oh, uh, I felt it, dude. I, felt I did. It. No, I felt dude, it. There's, there's know, always that time of year. There's always that time of year. It's almost that time. Exactly. <laughs> and we have like it. The middle of the season. We got like, it early. We got yeah, it early. Right. Christmas came early, dude. <laughs> Even if he's not on your team, you just like you look on the other person and be like, ooh, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't look like it's anything serious, but this is why he's the best handcuff in football, pretty much, yeah. and in fantasy. Because Dalvin Cook has, besides for that one year where he was like, where he was like, oh my god, two overall, hasn't really been able to stay healthy. Yeah, and like it, it sucks because like Madison is the best handcuff in fantasy football, but like. He's not like a 1B. Like, he either is getting, like, like he's not playing at all or he's just always playing when Cook is out. Like, you have, like, the Kareem Hunt and the Chubb. Like, that's a way 1B. Like, Hunt's considered a good handcuff, but, like, I don't know if Hunt can take on every single snap. But, like, Madison can. He's still young. So, like, in Dynasty Leagues, you're a genius if you have Madison. It doesn't really matter if he's on your bench, like, right now because eventually he will be the bell cow for the Vikings. Don't start Madison if Cook is playing anyway. Like, don't do that at all. He, and, you know, you just got not hope for a Cook injury, but you got to take advantage of a Cook injury. Never. If it comes we, don't into play. Root, we don't root for injuries, John. Yeah, we, we don't root for injuries at all. But if it were to happen, if it were to happen, I would be grateful that I took the insurance plan in Alexander Madison. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that Alex Madison literally comes in, wins you two weeks in your fantasy league, and then just disappears into the abyss. Yeah. Just there right. he goes. He just comes in for two weeks, and he goes, don't worry, guys, I'll get you 25 points. And then just there he goes again. The Madison tingle, I love that. I dude. love Yeah, that. dude. And he does it every year. Like, it's like two or three games. He shows that he's – like, it's kind of crazy if the Vikings don't utilize him, even with Dalvin Cook on the field. It's very strange, <laughs> considering Cook yeah. has proven that he could stay healthy, and he's closer to 30 than he is to 20. Very weird. But Alex let's... Madison, not the fantasy hero we deserve, but the hero we need. <laughs> yeah. But let's, uh, let's move on. It's probably the worst game of the week in the NFL and fantasy-wise. The only real big thing that happened in this game is David Montgomery getting hurt. John, do we have any update on the seriousness of Montgomery's injury? Khalil Herbert had a huge game in his place. Yeah, Khalil Herbert used to show that he can take on the workload that Montgomery had. I don't remember seeing anything seriously about Montgomery. 
We'll have to wait and see on that one. But um, He's day-to-day. He's day-to-day. And you know what? David Montgomery is the king of just lingering injuries. This is good. He's going to have a cue next to his name for probably the rest of the season. Uh, hey, see what you can get for David Montgomery. It's not going to be much, but if you are deep in running back and you have faith in a couple of those bench running backs that you've been storing on there, maybe you can get a low-end flex player there. I don't know. But uh, it's clear, how it's, about is a must-start if Montgomery doesn't play? No, he's not. He's Shot. not. Dude, dude, he's not. He's he on the Bears. Scored thirty dude. points. He, it who do the Bears? Who do the Bears play okay. next? All right, start him. Start him this week. Let's just, like he's not going to be consistent. Uh, John Cave, out, I'm still not. John Cave no. to the future. No, Khalil Khalil Herbert is the same. It's the same type of waiver advice that I give. Where if someone blows up on the waiver wire, you get them on your team. You don't just start them. They're not must starts now. Let Khalil Herbert do At another high. Point? Yeah. Let Khalil even, even in a run heavy offense like the Bears, Montgomery. Dude, it doesn't matter. It's solid. the Bears. They're not putting up that many points. They're always they were playing the Texans, dude. <laughs> they were playing the Texans. It, dude, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. Montgomery put up like Montgomery put up fifteen points the week before. I forget who they were playing, but the Bears running game isn't terrible. Dude, it's really not. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'd rather if I'm a Khalil <laughs> Herbert owner. I'm putting him on my bench. I'm gonna let him prove me wrong two weeks in a row. We gotta, we gotta mark, we gotta mark this down for next sure. week because yeah. I really am excited to see this. I don't think Herbert's gonna blow up because Montgomery might play anyway. But this backfield has been consistent, and I think there's more upside to it than people think. People just hate the Bears because their offense is terrible, and they're still stuck in 1985. But doesn't really matter that much. No, anyway. yeah, sure. Like, just trust me on this. You guys also said that Carson Wentz was going to have a great game against the Eagles. It was going to be a revenge game. Khalil Herbert's not like let him prove you wrong. Like, it's not worth starting statistically. He's not going to have that type of game. Again. All right. Well, Paul, you look bored as shit. Do you really want to talk about the Texans? Do you really have anything to say about them? Damien Pierce. Uh, yeah. The only thing. The really. The only thing worth mentioning is Damian Pierce had his coming out party. He had his quinceanera. He had his – he turned 18. He was oh, – oh, man, he got a brand there. new car from mommy and daddy when he turned <laughs> in. This is Damian Pierce. He had 20-plus touches, 18 fantasy points. He seems to be game script proof. He is the only guy on this Texans offense that I am confidently starting. Uh, I'm benching Brandon Cooks in our dynasty league moving forward for other receivers such as Hollywood Brown. Russell Gage had a great day. So there are guys like that I would always start over Brandon Cooks now. I love Brandon Cooks as a player, but this Texans offense is just bad. You're ready to say that you're confident in Pierce after one game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the hype is real. I'm buying the hype. I am yeah. the hype on Damian Pierce. You both are buying it. Lovey Smith is many things, but he's always been an honest guy. And when he came out and said, we're going to feed Damian Pierce the ball because he is the best skill player on this offense. And they did. And I don't, I forget if Houston won or not, but yeah, Damian Pierce looked great. He looked great. Yeah. And I will say one last thing about the bears is it is officially time to drop Darnell Mooney. If you drafted him. Any Darnell Poopy. Don't even don't just don't don't even think about it. Don't even think about a Bears pass catcher. Even like if you're thinking about it, you've already lost fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Don't even. Don't get in your own drop way. Him. He's a ninth-round receiver for the reason. Everyone thought, like, oh, he's going to be the primary target. They don't have – the primary target for the Bears is the fucking ground, dude. The ball touches the ground more than it does receivers' hands in the Bears. Like, just – it's a ninth-round pick. You, like, it, no one's going to shit on you. Just drop him. It's not worth – let another man or woman pick up Darnell Mooney. In yeah, league. it's just and- – no one's going to give you shit if you drop Darnell Mooney and he comes out and puts up 25 points next week. Like, no rational person. Depends on your league. It depends on the league because <laughs> I can definitely see a few people in our league be like, oh, I can't believe you let me get Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Like, like, no, oh, have don't, fun. One yeah. Week. Don't even well, think about it. Just drop him. Yep. Shit game. Shit teams. Moving on to one of the more not exciting games in terms of competitiveness or anything like that, but one of the more noteworthy games in terms of fantasy headlines, definitely Jags and Chargers. And, John, we're going to start with the Jags because they put on a show this week. Yes, they they did. Are we ready to say that the Jags are actually good? And what does that mean for this offense? I know they've had some, like, some success already. Christian Kirk's been very good. So has James Robinson. But – the entire season, are we ready to say that they're good? And is this offense ready to be like consistently productive? Yeah, they are. They're they are. They're a high-powered young offense, which I really like. Which means they're going to bring that energy every single week. They're a hungry team. Trevor Lawrence has a lot to prove, being a first overall pick, and then in the bed last year on a poorly coached team and not really that many weapons. So he does have a lot to prove. But, man, how about our boy J-Rob, James Robinson? He is he's he's competing with Travis Etienne, the young star that comes in, gets drafted to take his role. And James Robinson's not letting him have it. He no. is the third best running back in the league right now. He was probably drafted in, like, your – what was, was he, like, a fourth to sixth round pick in that no. range? No, dude. He was, like – Not even, bro. He was, like, he was 10, like 10 to 11. Because people didn't oh, yeah. think Tra- Travis Etienne was a fourth through six. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought but, you were but talking James, about No, I was talking about James Robinson. That's my fault. But, wow, you are lucky. if You you probably picked James Robinson as like a handcuff to Travis Etienne, and you made the right call, man. He is a beast. He's getting tons of volume. He is getting at just about as many targets as Travis Etienne is, but he's just making much more happen with the ball. And my next takeaway is Trevor Lawrence. Like I said, he's got a lot to prove. He's slinging the ball, and he's got the weapons to prove it. So I think Doug Peterson, he really is a quarterback guy. He knows how to coach quarterbacks, and especially young quarterbacks, getting them to develop. You saw that he did it with Carson Wentz, and he's doing it again with Trevor Lawrence. It seems like we still have a lot more to see, but it's really – no, I root for these types of teams. Granted, Dougie P is – the coach, and he was the coach of my Super Bowl winning team, Philadelphia Eagles. But that's really not the reason I'm saying this. I just like to see like bad teams become good. Like it's just just cool to watch. So you it's good know, for the league. yeah, it is good for the league. And it, it's no one predicted the everyone predicted the Colts to take away the AFC South, and it's like the Jaguars are proving that they can be that team to do it. So yeah, if you are a Jaguars fantasy player owner like Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence, and James Robinson. Give those guys starts. You probably used a late round pick on Trevor Lawrence. He could have been your first quarterback. He could have been your second quarterback. Depending on that situation there in one quarterback league, so Trevor Lawrence could be a starter if they're going against a weak defense, but Trevor Lawrence is definitely a must start in two quarterback leagues. He definitely deserves a second quarterback slot there. Yeah. 
It definitely feels like right now, I don't want to call it too early, but it feels like that they're kind of Trevor Lawrence or Trevor Lawrence and the Jags as a whole actually are taking that little next step that you want to see from a young team. So it's definitely good to see. And like you said, Paul, it's definitely good for the league. But let's talk about another very good, amazing young quarterback that had a team as a whole did terrible. Herbert didn't look great, had one of the best throws I've ever seen. But outside of that, Chargers didn't do much. Keenan Allen was out. Paul, are you concerned about the Chargers at all? Or was this kind of just an outlier for you? No, so – I know we've talked fantasy much before this podcast, and I want to go on record that I think Brandon Staley is like the next biggest fraud besides Urban Meyer. I have always hated on Brandon Staley as a coach. I think that he's too analytical and he's too this, and he's just – I just don't like him. And honestly, the Chargers, they looked bad. They just looked bad. Keenan Allen was out again, so I guess you can say that was a consensus like fourth overall pick in this draft only played 55 percent of the snaps and his involvement in the pass game is the only thing that kept him afloat in terms of fantasy relevance this week but herbert he's a top three top five quarterback depending on who you ask the kid just has a cannon he can sling the rock all over the field so i'm not super worried about this offense one thing to note though rashawn slater their pro bowl tackle is done for the season with torn biceps which will affect the entire offense as a whole um yeah which is a huge injury and i know i was super high on gerald everett last week but he proved to us again why the tight end position is what it is in fantasy this year and he did have a disappointing day which we've always been high on if you can get those top two top three tight ends definitely do it because it's just it's kind of miss with these mid-round late round guys but yeah mike williams looked bad this just was rough day yeah I think Keenan Allen coming back will definitely help, but not really what you want to see from the Chargers, especially Herbert drafted pretty high for a quarterback, and it really doesn't look good for the Chargers at this point in time, but definitely not hitting the panic button yet on them. But let's go to a divisional game. Divisional games are always more competitive, and I feel like they tend to be a little – not as much offense, a little more low scoring because you're more familiar with your opponent. But, but oh, I'm going to start with you here. Let's talk about the Rams, Rio, because they've let a lot of people down in this early going of the fantasy season. You know, Stafford's been pretty bad, and it just really hasn't looked as crisp this year. No, I, I totally agree with you. And even Cooper Cup had a rough day outside of yeah. a like 30 yard rushing touchdown where he got most of his points in one play. But this backfield, man, I just can't – I this backfield, I, I don't understand it. Cam Akers came out this week. Daryl Henderson was nowhere to be seen. It looks like it just depends on who's on McVay's good side during practice the week before. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that for a second. Because McVay's always been weird with running backs after Todd Gurley. Like, he never – like – he almost seems that he's – I personally think Henderson has looked like the better back and the better fantasy play in these first three weeks of the year. But he seems married to this idea that Cam Akers will be what he was before the Achilles injury. Is i not sure I see that happening. I don't understand why he won't just give the ball to the guy who's playing the best at the time. Yeah, and – 
I think the only person who has that answer for us, Bob, is Sean McVay. And I, like you said, I don't understand it. I think the Todd Gurley thing did scare him because he ran poor Todd Gurley into the ground. He took years off of his life. He was giving him the rock in pretty much every single circumstance. So this backfield is just hit or miss. If you're a Cam Akers or a Daryl Henderson owner, you're kind of praying that the guy you have is going to be the guy that week. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend starting either one of these guys until you get until we get you may not get it actually who knows with McVay but until you get a clearer picture they're too risky to play right now for me I thought Henderson was getting it but after this week it doesn't really look like it yeah and then Allen Robinson Bob I don't even know what to think about Allen Robinson he's hasn't looked good in two of my leagues yeah, he was – I loved him coming into this year. I thought, okay, he finally has a quarterback. There's no more excuses in that regard. And he just – he only saw five targets again this week. The touchdown kind of saved his line last week. He is seeing a lot of snaps, though. He's on the field a lot, but he's, he's getting just – He's getting looks, too, which is good. Him and Cup both dropped the touchdown pass this week. That's so, true. Allen Robinson makes the catch. And Cooper Cup makes the catch. Their stat lines look vastly better, and so does Stafford. So I think the Rams kind of need a little bit more time. But, you know, it's, again, just another disappointing team so far this season. This Cardinals offense has been scaring me this year. I was never a big Kyler Murray guy, and I think the league is starting to figure his shit out pretty much. Mm. And it's impacting the offense. Marquise Brown had a great game. John, do you think this Cardinals offense has enough upside in it to have consistent starters in your lineup? I do think it has a ton of upside because they threw 58 times that game. So, like, the fact that they didn't score really just goes to show how well the Rams prepared for the Cardinals. And the Rams are a well-coached team. So that is the type of team that can really nailed down what Kyler Murray does. So I do think that the upside's there. I think it also just goes to show how great DeAndre Hopkins makes that team. If you tell me Kyler Murray threw the ball 58 times and DeAndre Hopkins was playing, I would have assumed that they had three touchdowns, four touchdowns. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that D-hop return for sure. But as of now, Marquise Brown is holding his own there. It's just struggling to find the end zone was the problem this week. I'm not panicking at all on any Cardinals player. The Rams just played good defense. I'm a little I'm a little concerned about James Conner here. Already banged up and just doesn't look like he, at least this early in the season, doesn't look like he's going to be getting those consistent red zone looks, which really just completely made his upside like exponential last year. Mm. He had a crazy last year so i don't know i'm just kind of on them right now but maybe with the return of d hop it'll change maybe murray changes things up but i don't know i'm not not too right now but let's go panthers bucks another pretty low scoring eventful fantasy game john we'll start with the bucks here not a lot from them really they had a lot of injuries this week pretty much russell gage was their number one receiver Mike Evans was suspended. Did you take anything away from the Bucs fantasy-wise this game? Yeah, it seems like he continues to get tons of volume. He's just not making much happen with it. But I feel like that was just because 
every team knew that they were going to go for handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette. So that was like my big takeaway is that don't panic on Leonard Fournette. I know he hasn't scored touchdowns yet, but it'll come once the receiving weapons come back to start playing. So that'll be my biggest takeaway with the Bucks. And then uh, we have to give credit to Paul here. Paul told us last week that it's time to, to bench Tom Brady, stream a quarterback, and uh, you called it, Paul. You said he was going to be the quarterback 24. I think that was just because you hate Tom Brady, but I will say he is the quarterback 26 on the year, and he was the quarterback 17 during the week. So you weren't too far off. He definitely didn't put up a start-worthy performance. Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like Tom Brady is starting to lose interest in football. I think I think he is too, but just keep the bigger picture here. Mike Evans was out, Julio's out, Godwin's still out. He was keying in on Fournette. Once we get those guys back, all those guys are going to be maybe not Julio once everyone's back, but Evans, Godwin, Fournette are all going to be solid fantasy plays, and the Bucks are still going to be elite, in my opinion. And... <clears throat> How about the Bucks? Paul finally got a solid perform. I excuse me, <laughs> Packers. How about finally getting a solid performance from one of those Packers rookie wide receivers, Romeo Dubs, if I'm pronouncing it correctly? Had a big game. Yeah, no. In in what was mostly a chess match between two all time quarterbacks. And not a lot of offense was to be had in this game. But Romeo Dobbs had come out to play. He had eight targets, eight catches, 73 yards, and a score. Alan Lazard also snuck into the end zone and then immediately went to the sideline and puked. I don't know if you guys watched that live, but it was so hot in Tampa. It was like 101 degrees in Tampa. The dude scored a touchdown and just like immediately sprinted to the sideline and just puked everywhere. It was crazy, but... Yeah, not a lot coming out from this game besides Romeo Dobbs. Both uh, the Packers running backs were disappointed. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they are similar to what we were talking about with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, where they almost play each other out of fantasy relevance. I still think Aaron Jones does have the 1A and A.J. Dillon is the 1B. I agree. But, yeah, but these guys, it's Aaron Jones, who I loved as a late second round, early third round pick. It looks like he's going to give you great days, and he's just going to give you lackluster days. But I wouldn't think too much of this game. Todd Bowles is a defensive wizard, um, really had a great game plan for the Packers, and LaFleur is a great coach in his own right. So I know Brady was missing a lot of weapons, but I wouldn't think too much. Once Evans and Godwin, once they get their full arsenal back, it'll be better for Brady and the rest of the Bucks. Yeah, i got to give myself a little pat on the back. Last week, I said that Alan Lazard would still be solid, still be one of the Packers' top receivers, and progressed from last week on limited snaps, even though he did get a touchdown. Seeing that progression, I think the Packers are only going to get better as the season goes on, especially because, like we said, the Bucks are an elite defense. You can't, have, you can't score 30 points every single week. So hold in there with those. Packers receiver and just stick with them because uh, they could be huge on the stretch. And so now we'll start off with the Falcons, John. The Fal Dare I say that the Falcons actually have put aside fantasy for a second. Dare I say that the Falcons actually have a really nice young core right here? 
in London and Pitts? Yeah, definitely pieces to build around. You just need that big missing piece, which is a uh, quarterback. They'll get that next year most likely. I think once we start to see a better quarterback play, I think we're really going to unlock the doors to Kyle Pitts and Drake London production. But we got to give it up to Drake London, man. He's putting up big numbers even when his volume is pretty low. This week he only had six targets, but he played almost 90% of the snaps. So in my mind, he's a borderline wide receiver too. He definitely deserves a spot on your flex position if you're thinning out at wide receiver. And even though Pitts had a good game for a tight end, he still hasn't scored a touchdown this year. And him not scoring touchdowns was a problem last year. So he's got to find the end zone to really become that elite tight end that he was supposedly just given that title this year. He doesn't deserve it. He needs to score touchdowns. That's really what makes tight ends that top tier tight end like the Kelsey's and the Andrews so if you spent a third round or fourth round pick on Kyle Pitts this year you gotta really tough it out because unfortunately you have to start Kyle Pitts every week and he's, you can't trust him to give you the performance that he did this week it was mediocre in terms of like fantasy production but for tight ends it's pretty good um, he's not going to be doing this every week yeah Let's also, I think this is an interesting player to talk about. A very, extremely late bloomer in terms of fantasy relevance. Won't talk about it too much, but Cordero Patterson, basically non-existent in fantasy leagues for the longest time, has somehow hashed out fantasy relevance over the past couple years. But let's talk Seahawks now, Paul. We got Geno Smith, and I think Geno Smith as the quarterback, obviously. Metcalf. And Lockett each have decent weeks, but can we expect fantasy relevance from these guys going forward with Geno Smith at quarterback? <sighs> Bob, I just don't know. Geno Smith had a decent week one, and then week two kind of shit the bed, and then he played well. But again, this is the Falcons that he was playing. And I think the only thing I can really say about DK Metcalf is sometimes talent finds a way to win. Metcalf made an incredible catch in the end zone from a decently thrown ball from Geno. DK did have 12 targets on the day. DK Metcalf is this offense. Rashad Penny was the leading rusher, but very little involvement in the past game. It's too stale of an offense to really rely on Penny without praying for a goal line punch. But Geno did look good. He just had under 20 points for fantasy purposes. He seems to really like DK Metcalf and has a decent connection with him. And DK Metcalf is, there are not many people on this entire planet that are like DK Metcalf with his size, his speed, his athleticism. So I still like DK Metcalf. I think you should start him. Tyler Lockett is hit or miss for me. I know he had a good week this week but it really all depends on how Gino's going to be playing that day. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of, it's unpredictable. But last game of the week and I know you I know I caught some of this game and I'm sure you guys did too. Can one of you please get me excited about talking about this game because I was watching it and I won the one game I got to watch yesterday and it was an absolute shit show. John, get me excited about talking about this from the Niners' perspective. It's going to be hard, but I'll try. Jeff Wilson was a waiver pickup last week. If you happen to plug him in, he isn't doing much, but he is getting some decent volume in terms of rushing attempts. He had 10 rushing attempts this week. 
he caught all of his passes. They don't want to say the number of passes, but he caught 100% of them. It was three. It was three three targets, three catches, but he did get 10-yard gains on all of them, so he does have that big playability when he gets the ball in his hand. You can tell I'm really trying here, Bob. Yeah. All right, Paul. Let's talk a little bit of Denver right now. Am I crazy, or does this offense look exactly like the Russell Wilson offense in Seattle? It seems like Judy's... Tyler Lockett and Sutton's becoming half. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right. And first of all, this game was just an eyesore. It was a really tough, but Cortland Sutton did look good. Russell Wilson, I just think he's such a cornball. I can't stand him. But yeah, Cortland Sutton looked good. Jerry Judy, a lot of talent, but definitely the clear second option in this offense. And Melvin Gordon vultured another touchdown from my guy, Javante Williams, who I know who I am so high on. I think he's so talented. But Melvin Gordon is just like that creepy shadow in the background that just won't go away. But yeah, this game was a really tough watch. Really nothing to take from here. Russell Wilson just, I just, he doesn't look good. He doesn't. They don't look good at all. So yeah, not really much to be said from this game. It was pretty shitty all around. But go from a very boring game to probably the best segment on this podcast, and that is Filet or Flank. John, let's for you. Who was your play of the week? Who outperformed? Who really stood out to you? It was James Robinson, and I've already spoke highly of him this episode, so I'll get right to it. He's the RB1 on the Jaguars. He's the trusted running back that Doug Peterson wants in the backfield there. Let's not forget, he's coming off an Achilles injury. He hasn't played in a whole entire year, and he's still – he looks like he never had that injury. So, you know, he averaged over five yards a carry. And he's one of the main reasons that they beat the Chargers this week. I like it. I like it. James Robinson definitely starting to stand out in this early fantasy season. Paul, how about who is that crisp, mean, rare filet mignon that you don't quite get to have that often? Because it's Yeah, no, I'm going to go with a guy who I don't think any of us knew existed before this week. His name is Mac Hollins. Mac he Collins. is a Raiders Ooh. wide receiver who's owned in 1% of Yahoo leagues. My man came out here with 10 targets, 8 catches, 158 yards, and a touchdown. And no, Devontae Adams is not hurt. Yes, Devontae Adams still saw 10 targets, but Derek Carr was really connecting with Matt Collins. 18 targets in the last two games. He is my filet, and he is also my number one waiver for the week. I like it. I like it. And now moving on to my filet. I mean, you guys had to have known this was coming. I drafted him with my fifth overall pick in our main league, and that is Derrick Henry. An obvious one, but there are a lot of chirpers creeping in that's done. So, you know, getting involved in the passing game and putting up 25 points in PPR, I think is huge. And Derrick Henry was my play of the week, and I expect, you know, him to start getting more on track as the season goes along as a top five running back. So, as with a lot of outperformers, there's always a lot of underperformers as well. Now we're talking flank steaks, those grocery store shelf steaks that kind of look a little brown that don't look that good. So, Paul, we'll start with you. Who was your flank of the week? <sighs> I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one, but my flank of the week was Allen Robinson. Mm. I am That's just a, starting yeah. to lean towards 
I'm just starting to lean towards the fact that maybe Allen Robinson just isn't good at football. He's averaging seven fantasy points per game in what we all believe is a high-powered offense. And from a guy who you spent a fifth or sixth-round draft pick on as a wide receiver too, or an upside flex option, it's been extremely disappointing. He had two catches for 23 yards this week. Yeah, I agree. Allen Robinson, definitely one of the guys that sticks out as disappointment so far this fantasy season. John, how about you? Who is who's your flank of the week? It was Carson Wentz, Bob. Of course. <laughs> uh, so, let, did you know that the Commanders had negative one passing yards by the second half? Oh, I did. I, actually, I did know that because I started Wentz this week, and he may be the reason that I lose. But yeah, exactly. The Commanders didn't score the first half at all. They had negative one passing yards. Then the Eagles started to, I think they just started to plan for the Jaguars in like the third quarter, which is really the only reason Carson Wentz scored then. But, you know, geez, he sucked. And it was really nice to be on the other side of Carson Wentz too. He's the most frustrating guy to watch. On third down, he never converts. He just, he was that poopy steak this week. And sadly, people are probably still going to start him next week because he's not playing against the Eagles. But he will play the Eagles one more time. Don't start him. Don't start him that week. We yeah, have the Eagles are looking rough. Don't want to start many players against the Eagles right now. But moving on, my flank of the week is more, not an individual player, but more an entire unit. And that is the 49ers offense. Complete dud. I know the Broncos defense is pretty good. But I expected more from Jimmy G, Jimmy G's first, first full game back from this offense. Really didn't much aside from the first half. Ayuk had a touchdown, but still didn't really do much. Jeff Wilson was okay. Just a complete dud from the Niners offense, although I do expect them to be better going forward. And that is my flank of the week. Last segment of the night. We're going rapid rounds. I just asked Paul and John quick questions. They don't know what's coming, and they're going to give me Quickest answer as possible. All right. Panic or patience? Austin Eckler. Paul, start. I'm going to go patience. I'm going to go patience. He was a top three pick for a reason. He's shown that he can do it. He's proven he's still young enough. Just don't hit the panic button just yet. I'm going to go. Are you on Paul's side here? Yeah, I'm going to go patience too. But if, it, if this happens one more week, panic. <laughs> Especially with their offensive line getting injured. Yeah, Slater. I'm almost there. If you ask this question next week, I might say panic. I agree. I'm starting to get a little concerned about Eckler as well. Not going to go panic just yet, but patience for now. All right, next one. Buy, sell, hold. Javante Williams. John, I know you own him, so you go first. Buy, sell, hold. Javante. You mean like keep, trade, cut? Yeah. Possibly. No, like, yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna look to shop him? Oh no. Would you look to get him? Would you look to shop him, or are you just keeping him on your team? Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely not trying to trade Javante Williams. Um, if he's not on my team, I'm probably not trying to give up too much for Javante because you know whoever owns him is like gonna be like, oh, he's gonna blow up. So like, just hold on to him if he's on your team. No need to shop him. He'll be the RB one by the end of the year. All right. Paul, what do you think? You on John's side here? I am. I would hold Javante Williams because we're going to look back. It's going to be week seven, week eight, and all of a sudden Javante Williams is getting 20-plus opportunities a game. Okay. I like it. 
All right. Since we had a Jags-Chargers matchup this week, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert? Rest of season. Paul, let me hear it. Oh, I got to go. I got to go Herbert. I got to go Herbert. I can't just yet. We're only three weeks in. Justin Herbert has proven that he is the guy. But Trevor Lawrence, man, that was a tough one. John, you on Paul's side with this? I don't want to be, but (laughs) yeah, it's Justin Herbert. We're going to. The only concern is that Herbert's wide receiver options may not be there every week. And, and neither will Herbert's ribs. All right. So two disappointing receivers in the past two weeks, pretty much, but two top receivers as well. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, rest of season. John, I know you have Chase, so what do you think? Would you go JJ or would you go Chase rest of the season? I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna go Jamar Chase here. That's very good. I'm gonna go Jamar Chase. And the reason for it is because uh I own him in fantasy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Paul, what about you? JJ I'm gonna, or Jamar? I'm gonna go Jettas. I'm gonna go Justin Jefferson for the simple fact that the Rams offensive coordinator last year is now the Vikings offensive coordinator. And he's going to scheme up some things for Justin Jefferson to have a Cooper cup like season the rest of the way. Cool. All right. We're going tight end here. Tyler Conklin tight end one or tight end two Paul. Oh my God, dude. I'm going to, Oh, I'm going to go tight end two just because we've been preaching about the difference between a top two tight end between like a third to eighth tight end. So I'm going to go tight end too, just because I do not trust the position. It has nothing to do with Tyler Conklin though. All right, John, he's a tight end one. He's a tight end one. And I mean, he's the tight end four on the year right now. He's consistently really? getting targets. Stat. He seems to be, Joe, those guys seems to be an easy target. He's getting open. He's making things happen. He's a tight end one. You probably didn't even draft him in your leagues, which means that if you waited till the later rounds to get a tight end, you're probably subbing that guy out for Tyler Conklin if you picked him up on the waiver wire. I am interested to see what happens when Wilson becomes the quarterback again. That could change. Doesn't, I'm not sure if Wilson's going to be throwing to him as much, but even if when Uzuma comes back from injury, I'm still liking Tyler Conklin more. He's proven that he deserves those targets. Okay. Not so much of a fantasy one, this one. Philadelphia Eagles, best team in football right now. John, I know you're an Eagles fan, so go first. I think the Bills are better than the Eagles, but I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC East. Okay. Paul, Eagles, best team in football right now. All right, John, I'm going to give you the tingles right now. I'm going to go with yes. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in football right now. Madison Oh, John, how's it feel? How's it feel? It's got the Alex Madison tingles all over again. Hearing it, and I only hear that in the off season. But then the season starts, and then we suck. But this is great. This is great. Yeah. I'm riding this wave. All right, last rapid round of the night. I never thought I'd be asking this question because I always thought the answer was obvious. But now I have to ask it. Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, rest of season. Paul. Ravens. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson's a god. He is the GOAT. Mark Andrews is 
the best tight end in football. Travis Kelsey's an old man. Mark Andrews is going to be the tight end one again this year. All right, John. I'm going to go with – I'm not – he's not wrong. Mark Andrews is a beast. But Travis Kelsey is going to be my pick here for the rest of the season because he he's not really competing for many targets. So I know the volume's always going to be there with Kelsey. There's probably going to be a couple games, not many, where Andrews isn't getting all the looks because of the way the game is being played. But Kelsey's always going to be that first look for Patty Mahomes. All right. I like it. And that concludes our wrapping rounds. And that concludes our episode actually today now. So thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on all platforms. We'll see you on Thursday for our look ahead to week four. And remember, don't root for a player's injury so you can pick up their backup on waivers. It's